Apologies, we're a week late. <laughs> <laughs> so this week's episode is hosted by myself, James Main, and my co-host, Matt Fitzbarris. Happy to be here as always, James. Yeah, that's, that's the vibe. Of course you're happy. So yeah, <laughs> apologies, we're, we're a week late. We we had technical issues um, last week and yeah. the podcast was unusable. For the whole podcast, and it's, it, didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really frustrating because it, yeah. it was really good, but we'll, we'll, we're going to touch on some of the topics yeah. That we, we talked about in that in the, in the missing episode. The missing episode. <laughs> the lost record. Yeah. The B side. The B side. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be back, but we just uh we're just gonna delve straight into it, I think. No no con no time wasting. Live and uh, direct. Live and direct. Live and uncut. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna we're doing a year in review series of all the political parties and how they've been doing over this past year. Yeah. When we first started this podcast, what we did is we reviewed every political party in Northern Ireland and just rated them and see how they were getting on. And we're, we're, we just don't want to do a one-year progress report on how they're doing. And I think it's going to be especially relevant considering that there will be an election within the next six months. And depending if some parties pull out of the executive, that might come sooner rather than later. Um, personally, I hope it doesn't come before Christmas because uh, be such a... yeah, it would just ruin my mood. That'd be horrible. Yeah, I want to. I want to wait till next year when yeah. I'm, you know, Christmas out of the way. I'm all relaxed. But <laughs> yeah, so for the first episode of this recap series, uh, we're going to start with uh, the DUP, who have had quite a troublesome past year. Um, I think that's the fairest way to put it. I think that's the nicest way to put it, yeah. <laughs> it would be troublesome. <laughs> I mean, where do you even want to start with, with the DEP in, in terms of like a, a recap in the past year? I mean, a year ago they were... I mean, you wouldn't have said a year ago they were comfortable, but you wouldn't have said that they were in like a horrible, you know, unmanageable position necessarily. Yeah, like they're they're joint the largest party right now. They've, yeah. they've lost members. Yeah. Um, and that year, because last year they yeah. obviously were the the biggest yeah. party, but now now they're no longer that. Yeah. So and uh, and for the first time ever, Sinn Fein have uh, speaking rights, or first call on speaking rights in Stormont. Yeah. You know, so uh, the the DUP's grand position has has been taken away. Um, they're no longer the the top party anymore. Yep. And uh, the, oh, why are you smiling at me like that? <laughs> it's, it's just funny. <laughs> just, <laughs> oh God, you can tell Matt is on a DUP supporter, but uh, no, yeah, it's a party that's, that's definitely struggled. Um, losing the likes of Alex Easton to, to becoming an independent, and obviously they lost quite a few councillors. Um, one of them being Ryan McCready, yeah. who was recently joined the UUP, and uh, he was a, he was considered a rising star within the DUP. Going to be Gary Middleton's. Uh, running mates uh, for the next election but you know now uh, now Ryan's decided he's joined the UUP and he's going to be running for up in Londonderry for that seat um, now they're going to be they've lost what, what would it be like lost a substantial amount of supporting the polls um, you can obviously question how valid the polls are but they've actually took a beating in the poll <laughs> in you know the recent kind of lucid talk polls yeah, um, we put them as the the smallest unionist party. Yeah, of of yeah the three that you know get have any elected members. They are the smallest now. Yeah, which, and according to Lucid Talk, yeah, which I I, I, I highly doubt yeah, they are going to no. be because I think the TV result is so skewed. Yeah, it makes little to no sense, and I don't think the TV are going to have enough candidates to run. They did announce they're going to run at least one person in each constituency. Yeah, but, but even whether still. yeah whether they have the infrastructure to actually still challenge is a different argument and discussion yeah look it, it's going to be a difficult uh one for obviously for the tv there yeah but no with the, with the dup um i definitely think they are going to lose seats in this next election i think they, their their image has taken so much of a battering over these last few years like if you want to take it from even 2017 from that mandate um obviously you're still coming from the backlash of rhi yeah. you've had the mismanagement of brexit 
um, the NI protocol was entirely of nearly their own fault yeah. and how they brought that about on themselves. And then obviously this leadership contest where you ousted Arlene in the public's eye, which many viewed it as harsh, rough and just unprofessional. Um, like a, a very McAlevian move of stabbing her in the back. And then next up you had Edwin Poots, who lasted for what, three weeks? You know, pints of milk have lasted longer than him. And now you have Jeffrey, um, the loser of the first election. <laughs> yeah. The race is now the leader. Back so again. It's, so if we're, then, if we're painting the narrative of a, year, of a year later, the narrative then would be that they've lost support. They're a lot more hectic than they used to be. They're, they've got an internal division. What kind of... How do you rank the causes of that? Obviously, the protocol's got to be be up there is Pretty, yeah. for, okay. for why they're divided. But um, I have my own theory on the division between internally the UP. You would have those that are more London-centric in their focus of the union and those that are more Ulster-focused. Right. And I think... Um, Poots represented a more Ulster-centric focus, yeah. uh, while, while Donaldson represents that more London focus of how it should be run. Because I think within the DUP, there's still some support for Stormont itself, and actually getting the institutions to work. And yeah. they, they want Northern Ireland to be ruled within Northern Ireland, but then there are others who are just like, scrap the whole thing. And we, we've seen comments like that, obviously, from Ian Paisley Jr., who obviously said... You know, Stormer couldn't order or organize a piss up in a brewery, you know, and those idiots over there. Like, he, he obviously looks down at Stormer and the institution of it, and potentially even some of his own members within it. <laughs> um, so, I, I wonder if if that is one of the core divides within the DUP, um, Stormer team. <laughs> do you see any other kind of obvious, like, ideological differences between those two groups? I, I personally. If we're talking specifically the Edwin Poots camp and yeah. the Donaldson camp. If we're going to yeah, put that as the, the narrative of those two kind of dissecting, what, what do they dissect on? Where, where, do they, where do they verge? You know, or where do they not Ooh. meet? Oh, I know me and you've had the discussion before in this podcast, yeah. but I was very much of the view that um, it was styling over substance yeah. uh, when it came to those, those, those two individuals. Um, Obviously, they're both from Lagan Valley, both share the same office, yeah. quite a lot of similarities. Both have been in the game for so long, but I, I thought, I thought um, people just seen Donaldson as more, as more statesman-like and yeah. more professional and a bit calmer. You know, he, he was somebody to play the man almost, while Poots was a bit more, for lack of a better phrase or word, you know, more angry, more, more ready to go. Yeah. But... To me, both of them represented very similar things. I I think it was unfair that Poots was painted as more extreme, um, considering he was the one that helped bring forth Irish language legislation, uh, which was something he was willing to compromise on, even though his party wasn't. Yeah. Um, I think he played a very useful martyr role for Jeffrey in giving him more more breathing space because obviously he didn't take the fall for introducing that. Um. I don't think the party actually hated him too much after that, really, when you think about it, because they still kept him as Dara minister, so I don't think there's that For much that, of a problem. Yeah, yeah so I, th- I think it was just some political grandstanding there uh, by the Duppers. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, th- I think they've had an abysmal year due to their own accord, and they can point and blame whoever else they want, but I think it's entirely their own mess they've created within this last year. Yeah. And they've they've given their enemies... They're, they're, they're political enemies, should I say. Um, just so much more ammo to work with. And arguably the biggest winners are Sinn Féin in a lot of ways. Well, the biggest winners are t- is probably TV. Well, <laughs> the biggest winners are arguably TV for this. Yeah. But um, if you're a nationalist, like Sinn Féin have had yeah. many of their own mistakes right this year. But yeah. they've just been able to sit back and just watch. You yeah. know, relax in the sunset sort of thing. And the, arguably the biggest winners... As you rightfully pointed out, then it, uh, is uh, the likes of the TV and the UUP yeah. who are, you know, racing to become the top unionist party. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's something we which I touched on last week, and unfortunately, obviously, didn't get the <laughs> come, come out. So I'm gonna try and reword it as best I can because 
you, you always have that thing whenever you try and say something the second time, I feel like it doesn't come out right. Yeah. But I'll try anyway. Um, I think that the kind of new dimension now, which you see within those three parties, the DEP, TV, and UUP, who obviously are connected within their unionism, but I think they're they're disconnected clearly now in terms of the the ideology to some degree. You know, one mm-hmm. is the hardest line party, which is the TV. One is the which also the TV being probably even more right wing than the DUP are. Yeah. You have the UUP who now have kind of taken up this near enough. Well, right now it looks like there could be a center left who just maybe just a, a plainly centrist party mm-hmm. um, who are going to pull in votes through that and then also so through like a more friendly version of unionism that they're trying to kind of propagate possibly in, in, in the party. Uh, that wouldn't match either the TUV or the DUP's approach. Mm-hmm. Um, that leaves in the DUP and the, in between both of them, who lack kind of at this stage any actual any actual identity, which either of the two other parties clearly present. Yeah, which puts them in this wasteland, this kind of like weird place within Northern Irish politics, where where do you actually then get your votes from? Who do you steal them from? The, the obvious place for them is the TUV. Um, but even then, if, if the, the argument is, well, how do you steal votes from them? The only real way to steal votes from them is to parrot their position, <laughs> realistically, is to, to become as hardline as they they are. Yeah. Or just to, you know, become a competent political party you can actually, you know, not look unstable. It's, t- it's hard to vote for a party where there's a there's a clear division. And it, we've seen it in a lot of places. Like, if you look at Labour or somewhere like that, you don't really know what you're voting for with those, those parties never comes even, to elections. Even look at the UUP five, ten years ago. Yeah. We, we could have had this ex- exact same conversation. I mean, we're talking about basically history repeating itself and it being comedy this time, for me, anyway. <laughs> um, that it's that, that the DUP, who came up in kind of the populist surge, surge, who that's kind of how they became the biggest party, and by taking advantage of uh, another party who became somewhat ideologically in the wilderness mm-hmm. and who who kind of lost their position in Northern Irish politics, was the, which was back in the day the EUP, they've kind of seen almost like a similar... What it looks like right now, because we haven't actually had an election to prove this narrative necessarily, mm-hmm. or this version of reality, is that you know they've become what they... what. Once the thing which they once you know killed, they they basically they're being killed by now. Mm-hmm. The history has repeated itself completely in this scenario, and they now just look like a party who don't really know where like what they are meant to be mm-hmm. in the kind of political landscape of Northern Ireland. Uh, I don't want to just because this is a bit of a right turn. <laughs> so you said about Northern Irish Protocol, it's difficult not to, to mention that at this point. Yeah, whenever talking about a year later for the DUP. Mm-hmm. So then, how does? How does the Nanai Protocol fit into into this kind of change for the DUP? The the horrible things which we are apparently saying has happened to them in the last year. Well, obviously the protocol didn't come into effect till this year. Yeah, and we've started to see the effects. Um, for them, it's harming trade between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Something they're very concerned about because any separation between that large, you know, Northern Ireland's largest market yeah. and almost the biggest sense of the link in the union for them is. At risk. Yeah. It's faltered. We've seen trade with down south increase rapidly and with the European Union. We have this incredibly unique opportunity of having access to both markets. Some people are saying it's best of both worlds. Others are saying it's the worst of both worlds through the additional checks yeah. on each side, really. Or more so on the British side, obviously, because we're still in this SEM uh, in Northern Ireland. I think for them, they're also just playing... They're playing the fear sometimes, always going on about, um, you know, supermarket shelves. We don't have as much selection. We don't have as much choice now. Uh, prices are increasing. Now, uh, uh, many will argue this is due to Brexit. And I think that's a really fair argument to make. Yeah. But for them, it's a good opportunity to spin it on the NI protocol, which they're desperately trying to do. I don't know if most of the public are seeing that. Um, obviously, we've seen heightened tensions of the protocol within the Protestant Unionist Loyalist Communities, PUL. And obviously, we had riots just before the summer there and everything, yeah. and things were really touch and go uh, at some stages. So they are tapping into a frustration, but I, I wonder how much it, they are creating themselves. And I think it's almost sort of backfired on them. Yeah. They're helping to 
I'm not going to say whip up because I, I, I don't want to put words into anybody's mouths. But I think them playing into the hysteria around the protocol has backfired on them as they're, they're almost seen as a party that, you know, they're creating fear, but yeah. not really offering any solutions. And I think that's part of the reason why they're in such a downward spiral. And yeah. the, of these polls or anything to go by, which I don't think I'm not taking them as verbatim. No. But if I'm taking it as a sign of what's going to come up, this is a party that's going to lose seats in the next election. It's going to lose. It's probably still going to be the. I mean, if we're being realistic, they probably still going to be are going to be the biggest. Probably you'd imagine. It's hard to imagine yeah. that they have such a swing that they lose that many seats that from the amount of seats they currently have that they're going to you know <laughs> become second to the EUP or the TUV. Yeah. They're probably still going to be the, the biggest unionist party, but I doubt it's going to be as large of a margin as it has been for the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I think now the difference between the UUP and the DUP is something like 15, 16. I know, but 16, 17 seats, it's, it's, quite, yeah. a, it's quite a difference. It's quite large, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that was, went into low teens, mm -hmm. high single digits. The difference, I. I think there is still, as you say, a very, very good chance that the 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 DUP will be the largest yeah. unionist party. But I also wonder, um, you know, if of now TV, DP and UUP all running candidates, will that split the unionist vote or will that now wider uh, arrangement of unionist parties get unionists more enticed and offer them more choice and actually the unionist bloc will still be the largest in Stormont I don't know yeah and it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out in the next few months because obviously while, while Alliance were doing well Alliance are doing well in these polls um, they took a recent dip yeah uh, in the most recent one not taking it for gospel you'd be a fool too but I just think it's an interesting yeah. point policy wise oh, what do you in the past year the DP <laughs> it's not like they're not trying I mean, it is kind of like they're not trying. Well, it is like they're not. It trying. feels like they're not trying. The, the the only the only in terms of real political yeah. policy making, you know, not not the grandstanding kind of stuff. They haven't done too much. I, God, I think I think some of the departments they hold have done some some good work. No, they have. Yeah, but they're fair. not being sold as DUP schemes, or the no. public definitely are not seeing it, seeing them as DUP schemes. They're seeing them as executive schemes yeah which isn't a bad thing especially and we're talking about 100 pound voucher yeah. yeah like that does anybody know it's a dup scheme no no one thinks of it like that everybody sees no it one. as executive yeah it's even been though, reported as an executive scheme even though the minister has been uh during the whole time whether it's been dodds or lions it's been a dup department the whole time it's been you know with either of those two people have been intimately connected to how this has developed really um and have been, you know, also held to account whenever the issues have come around with it. But it's not, yeah, it's not been viewed as some of the DUPs done. And they, I think, are partially the, the problem for that, just due to the fact that how bad they are media-wise. They're not able to actually promote themselves in that kind of way. Yeah. They're not about, like, actually, <laughs> you know, saying, like, here's something good we did. It feels like it, whenever they do try and promote themselves, it's about, you know, kind of, you know, hardline, blah, 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 where this, where that. It's not like... Here's us actually. We it's not like what most political parties, other places, you feel would do, which is here's stuff that we've done for you. Yeah. Vote for us again because look what we did for you before. I mean, even if you look at like the Department of Agriculture, Poots has actually done some relatively good stuff. I disagree with him on his climate bill. Mm -hmm. That's fine. You can argue maybe at the very least he he actually does have a climate bill. You can argue maybe yeah. even if it's not as good as the one that the Green Party has. Yeah. It, at least it's a bill. At least it's showing some some, some form of support for, mm -hmm. for you know accepting the fact climate change is the thing, and also he's done other good stuff for you know agriculture, and he is like someone who cares about agriculture in Northern Ireland. You can say at the very least. Yeah, no, he he's quite connected with the sector, yeah. and I, I think he, he is. I think he does know what he's talking about in yeah. regards to it, and he he's, he's got a new consultation process out for abolishing the the wage structures that yeah. are currently within the system. He he's offered loads of financial support for farmers and offering the department itself has offered great advice around how farmers should operate in these times you know it's 
I just, oh. I just thought the Department for Education. Horrific year for them, like oh, and that's the, the worst. Ever. That's the DUP department, like obviously, but that was under most of it was under where was. God, I feel like Magdalene has done very little with that department in the time she's, she's had done, it. She has done stuff, like she's done stuff. I just thinking, I wonder if it's it's just not making news due to obviously how bad the previous period one. was. Yeah. It's so just all looks like, it's just, yeah. But in terms of like press releases, I feel like that department puts out very little and. Just I know we're we're actually funny enough going to talk about one of their press yeah. releases here, but most of the time I just think it goes unnoticed and yeah, I, I, but maybe that's a good thing. I mean the past year, I mean the the obvious stuff's been the exam stuff, where the exams have been treated very poorly. Yeah, they there's been a lot of uncertainty around it. I felt at some times I did feel a little bit like sorry, not sorry for him, but I did sympathise. I sympathised to some degree because it was a very difficult like situation to really know how you're meant to deal with. And every every uh, education every, minister across yeah. the UK uh, got a lot of pressure yeah. um, thrown back at them for yeah. those decisions. So, But still, Peter Weir... It was, still a bad, it was still a bad job. It could have been done a lot better. You would have liked to have seen a little bit more leadership shown on, on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um... And then, yeah, just executive. I mean, I guess we could maybe mention Paul Gibbon and just say, like, he's a bit of a lame duck right now. It's weird. <sighs> he's said more stuff recently. He has come out saying some more stuff than he, I've seen him say, you know, whenever he's, he's supporting stuff like the uh, Mothers and Babies Home report saying that, you know, this is a good thing. And he did it jointly with Michelle O'Neill. So he said he, he has been a little bit more vocal in terms of supporting various stuff, being a little bit more active but in general he does still come across as like a bit of a lame duck oh well he's not a donaldson appointment he's no. a, a, a you know a reminder from the poots era yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the poots era <laughs> very <laughs> short name short yeah. era sounds like a sounds like a nigel clough at leeds <laughs> kind of, not nigel brian clough right yeah, Brian, was it Brian Clough? It was Brian Clough, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Nigel it was only like a couple of months, wasn't it? Was, it? it was like 43 days or something like that. He was, oh, yeah. he was Lee's manager. Yeah. There's a great documentary. That was a deep cut. Yeah, that <laughs> was a deep, wasn't there a movie about that? There's a good movie about it. It's really good. We I should recommend it. It's a good movie. It's uh, The Damned United, I think it's called. Right, well, that's all for the, Bam, the watch list. That's <laughs> but you're back, back to NI. Yeah. No, it's... Yeah, I think the DP have had an atrocious year. I think that's the fairest way to put it. Where do they go? <laughs> Well, in the next year, if so, if we come back here in a year and we get to look back and be like, if we do this in a year where we do another one, and we have to come back and listen to this and be like, what did we think it was going to happen in the next year? Not that we're going to make predictions, but more the idea like, where do we think it's going? I definitely think they're going to lose seats. Okay, that's the one thing: losing seats. I. But in real terms, do you think they're going to have a worse year than they had in the previous year? I don't think they can. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think the only, the only way is up for them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go out and say I don't think they'll collapse the assembly. Yeah, I don't think that. I'm well. I'm not going to be that. At this, I, no, I'll I'll go out and say it. Okay, I, you I, can do I that. feel like they're not going to. I just don't think it would serve them well. I'll let you do that, though. Um, more than happy to be proven wrong. No, I'm not happy to be proven wrong. No. But you want to be proven right. Yeah, I want to be proven right. <laughs> you want to be optimistic. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a forever optimist in politics, yeah. which is an awful trait to have. Yeah, but it's not good. no, it's not. But sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think they'll collapse the assembly. You really like the thing, though. Yeah. I'm. T- God, I just. I think they'll just have to reorganize their base, cut off some dead wood, and start the rebuilding process. Or maybe not rebuilding, but just maintaining what they have after. Yeah. A few maybe on unsightly members go. Yeah, I, that's that's my prediction. I like, I don't think rock bottom's a hard word. Like I don't know if they have <laughs> reached a prop. I don't think they're gonna have a, a look. I think if we're looking at it like that, I think they've had like a real tumble this year. If they're going yeah. down a hill, they're really low down the hill right now. Mm-hmm. They've had a really bad fall, but I actually don't think they're at the bottom. I think they've still. I think they might still have a little bit. A very small bit lower to go, and then I still think that them by the time they get to the bottom of the hill, they still need to pick themselves up and they need to look around and actually figure out where they are. Mm. I, I think there's still like a lot of thought that needs to go into the party as to what they actually want to do going forward, which I'm actually somewhat writing an article about. Ooh. But I mean, I mean it's joint. It's gonna be joint authored by us, uh, possibly. I think there's still got like a lot of lot to think about in terms of, like where 
what what is the DUP like? Where do you go with that party? How do you where where do you like engage yourself now in the Northern Irish political landscape? Yeah, and I don't think they're going to be able to answer that a year, which is why I think they can still. There's still going to be probably some awkward things that happen to them in the next year in terms of like internal party stuff and mm-hmm. you know figuring themselves out. But yes, definitely not. I I can't. I just can't imagine it being as bad of a year for them. Especially, there does seem to be some talk around the NI protocol on it changing, maybe. Yeah, and depending on what Lord Frost says this week. Yeah, and they, if they're able to trumpet that, being like, look, it did change somewhat, at least. For our determination of yeah, protesting. Yeah, blah, blah, and, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, then maybe they can come back a little bit during the next election. Because I imagine at this stage what they really want before any election happens is something to change in the Northern Irish protocol. For yeah. them to at least be able to say, like, hey, look, it's changed a little bit. Yeah, Definitely. Look, that was the DP year in review. I think up next we're, I think we're going to talk about the UP yeah. party conference. Um, I attended. I'm not that. going to do much talking. No, um, <laughs> sadly, Matt didn't attend, but I did. I, I don't think it's sad at all. <laughs> the reason for my attendance is I had to go and monitor it for work. Fair. Um, so yeah, I, I I was there on Saturday for the the whole day, um, and it was. There was a lot of positivity in the air from yeah. members. I think Suzanne Breen tagged as a party that was happy with its new leader. And I think that's underselling it. These people were ecstatic for Don Beatty. They were ecstatic for <laughs> Robin. Like, I've, I've went to gigs where people have clapped less for a band coming on when, when Robin came on. Like, people were full on going out for it. They were like, okay. yes, Robin Swallow. Like, loving him. Absolutely loving him. Yeah. Standing ovation, I think, for three Standing minutes. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know why that's so funny to me. Yeah, it's just, it's just a really funny scene, the idea of like people going mad for their health minister. But... Especially because the idea I have of UUP supporters and like all that, I just, there's something relatively funny of like, imagine it being like a gig of everyone just being like, Whoa. <laughs> Well, they're in their nice wee suits. Yeah, <laughs> that, that <laughs> was what it was like. But no, f- full of positivity. Yeah. They they released a load of their potential candidates ac- across the province. So yeah, the one for was it North Belfast talking. Julianne Core Johnson. Julianne, she had a speech about something or other. Very good yeah. speech talking about working class kids and what it means to come from those conditions and how do we improve it as a, a union of people. Yeah. Um, we had Ryan McCready who defected from the DUP was independent for about the whole of a week or two joined the UUP. He did a very good speech on, you know, working as a union together, yes. serving time with Doug, what it means to him and just the positivity in the air. Like even, um, you had the likes of their West Belfast candidate, which probably not <laughs> going to get elected, <laughs> but was just full of Unlikely. positivity and energy about how we make this place work and Lovely. keep it going. It was for I, I later on in the night I was very fortunate to get talking to David Tremble. Yeah. Um Lovely. I don't think man. I don't think I need to explain who David Tremble is to people on this podcast. I mean maybe some people are young, I don't know. If you're young, David Tremble was the leader of the UUP back in the late nineties, early two thousands, who yeah. uh signed the Good Friday Agreement and really helped bring peace and stability to this part of the world. Won the Nobel Joint Nobel Peace Prize winner with John Hume, who was the leader of the SDLP at the time. Um, yeah, just a a real a real figure in this part of the world, and I I, I got talking to him and I was like, well, David, how did how did you enjoy the conference? And he said it's the most positive, it's been in years. So look, there's a former leader giving nothing short of an, an endorsement for Doug there. Fair and days. Fair the, days. the 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 membership. Uh, I guess just as an outsider, I would have one question. I mean, if, might need to cut this question out depending on how you feel about it. <laughs> but I mean, if I were to ask a question, uh, uh, in terms of, and we'll probably touch on this whenever we do the actual UUP year interview more. But like, if you can give a short answer on this, did it feel like there were there were that while there was like a lot of like happiness around what was going on, while there was like a lot of upbeat kind of ideas did it feel like there was like kind of two parts of the party slightly in terms of like a part that was maybe wanted to go a little bit more right than they currently were and maybe there was a part of the party that felt like they wanted to go a little bit not that they wanted to go I not that either side wanted to go more right or more left but that 
maybe there was like a different of opinion in two groups of the party. Ooh. Not explicitly in no. their speakers. It wasn't that was not clear at all. Okay. But um, then, speakers isn't where the real interesting part happened. Um, you're, you're you're hinting more so at members. Well, well put it like this: um, yeah. they had guest speakers from across the UK. There, so there was Stephen Kerr, yeah, who was a member of Scottish Parliament for Stirling. Uh, I think he's deputy party leader of Scottish Conservatives. Mm-hmm. You had Caroline Lucas, who is deputy Welsh Labour. She's an MP. Yeah. Um. She's actually heads the all party all parliamentary party group on gambling. You should check her out. She does some really interesting stuff. And then you had Tom Tukenhut, MP. Um. Very very interesting guy. He served alongside Doug Beatty. Um. I don't know if I said, but he conservative. Okay. Um. And I think people. There was, a, there was a general sort of um, acceptance of where the background came from. Right, yeah. And that was interesting because I definitely know, like I know Julianne Core Johnson, she was part of the PUP. Mm-hmm. She, she is quite outwards in being a left-wing unionist. She is happy to fill that. Yeah. You had the Stephen McCarthy, he's the South Belfast candidate. He has came out and said he is centre-left. You know, so this is a party which definitely does have members that are to the left. Right. And Doug has came out himself. He himself he said he is a liberal, but something that conservatives shouldn't fear. In my mind, that's centrist. Right. Yeah. And then I'm sure I'm sure there is more some centre right members of that party, but throughout all their speeches, again, politics here works differently. Yeah. And I think people are just more than happy to be in a party that um, seems like it's looking forward. Looking forward and presents a more modern, moderate idea of unionism, yeah. not politics of unionism and what that means. Right. <clears throat> so I, I think if the main difference between the UP and the DUP now from what that conference showed was a moderate accepting unionism. Now mm-hmm. that will feed some into the political ideology. Obviously there was there was a good bit of talk on it doesn't matter about your religion, background, you know, whether you're working class, middle class, upper class, doesn't matter if you're you know a Tory or, or a Labourite you yeah. all belong in this party but speaking throughout the member base I met people who said they were fat rights others who said they were centre left others who said they were you know just centre right so it's a party I think that will one of the unite behind that's the thing and I think this is something that the UUP will have to bite the bullet on at some stage yeah. in the next few, maybe next few years is we have such a broad membership base of what it means to be within the union but how do we make the union work right. on the actual policy, political level in Stormont? Right, okay. It's going to be their challenge, I think, with some members. And you you can't just have freedom of consciousness no. on each member because then that's not a, a united party. That's a party of individuals, um, which I know is we're splitting hairs when it comes down to the wording of that. But it's that's how I, I see it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of parties. There's been a lot of parties in the past who've not had... Or who have had broad churches and it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that you can't function, especially if you have a good whip and if you have a good internal party discipline. Yeah. Um, I think you can get past that. Whether they're able to do that, I don't know. It's still very early days. I mean, it's still very early days in the BD just tenure. I mean, part of me while I, I'm just a, I'm just a big fat cynic over here. Like, <laughs> I, I, well, no, well, I I see BD as being relatively positive. I I'm not necessarily convinced on some parts. Just in, just in terms of like my own, I've been burned in the past, James. Yeah. I've been I've been burned in the. I, I can't I can't uh, I can't see a leader, for such a short amount of time and put any form of trust in them until I I see real kind of, commitment to to ideals and. Well, there's and stuff. There's been no proven electoral success. There's yet. no proven electoral success. There's very even limited legislative success. Um, they've they've had stuff going through recently, but I mean it's not. It's nothing concrete as of yet. No, and uh, um, I think we're sometimes seeing mixed messages from BD. Like, um, over his speech of the weekend, we had him saying, like, yeah, we're going to work together. We want to govern this place. Yeah. They clearly said, you know, I want to be first minister. He did say that. Yeah. He said at the end of his speech, we are the UUP and we're back. Yeah. To an arousing applause, might I add. Like, okay. talk about a room being lifted. Um, <laughs> but then he... We see him on, and his party on Nolan today saying, not being entirely clear if they're 
going to take up a deputy first minister position. Right. You know? Seems like something you would jump at if you're... Yeah, and I, I think that might cause some problems within the electorate and some potential UUP voters. So, yeah. Well, if this party isn't going to help storm and work, yeah. if they're deputy first minister, which I will... God, we say this all the time, but deputy first minister and first minister are the exact same roles. Yeah. They can't... They cannot do anything without each other. They're exactly the same. It's all optics, right? So if it's all optics, they're fearing a lot about the optics of a Sinn Féin yeah. first minister. Like, but... Yeah, we need to see more of him. Uh, we're still in the honeymoon period, um, but next election is where we're gonna. He's gonna be put to his true test. Yeah, but yeah, no, it was it was a bright and happy conference, and yeah, just I, I was talking to a few members who have been there for a few years, and like in years past, they they had known they were on a downtrodden path, and they just accepted it and was like, All right, we got to make it work. We'll move on. Yeah, but no, this year there was real positivity in the air. Um, if I, I stayed at about three in the morning, um, because oh I, yeah, it was the politics of Kathy James. I, I, I like pints. <laughs> <laughs> there were some really interesting people to talk to over pints. Of course, and yeah, everybody was buzzing at that time. I'll tell you that. I can imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's good crack. Good crack. Here I am. That's where the real politics gets done, James. I, I'm not even telling you. All like major discussions were held at that time. That's when people were being very real of yeah. each other isn't there like there's like 80 pubs or something or there's like 80 bars in Westminster or something like that isn't there in Westminster there's some ridiculous number of like how many places you can go in Westminster to get a drink tremendous yeah and apparently there, I think there did used to be a culture of getting absolutely just half cut and then going to like meetings and hearings and stuff and then they would say like oh no we're all responsible adults but really like a lot of the times there's a lot of people getting a wee bit too drunk I think there would have to be like I don't think it's even just drink, to be honest, if we're being completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they might pick that up. Look, man, some of these Oxbridge kids, like... <laughs> uh, class. But, yeah, no, that was the UP conference in a nutshell. One of positivity, hope, yeah. and, yeah, they're ready for the next election. That exactly. is the big takeaway. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, I mean, maybe somebody loves to see it. Oh, they're the UUP voters. I don't care. <laughs> UUP voters are loving it right now. I'm sure they are loving life, but like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's at least it's nice to see some people politically happy. <laughs> I know for once it's quite nice here to just yeah. see, even people I don't necessarily uh, share the same beliefs of, just getting on well. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, I think there's just a couple of wee policy things we want to touch on this week. Yeah. Uh, what's happening? Um, I know Pat Catney, SDLP from Lagan Valley, has uh, brought forth or he has introduced legislation to the Assembly to stop period poverty yeah. across Northern Ireland. So any government, uh, you know, building will have free sanitary products for those that menstruate. Um, it's nice policy. It's already been a thing in scotland for quite a few years now i've lived in scotland i've uh i've never been in a bathroom that offers it but uh <laughs> my good lady friend uh, was happy to tell me that they're readily available oh, lovely. so it's yeah no just a very Spitting nice out. progressive policy i yeah. think that will really make a difference to to a good section of our society yeah i mean it's already partially been looked up by the education department i mean we were saying earlier about something that michael bean's done uh, recently was the period dignity scheme mm -hmm. in terms of like i think it's more that one is more aimed at like uh, I think it's people in school more so than mm -hmm. it is you know kind of just the general uh, public. society mm -hmm. uh, public whatever way you want to say it um, while the the difference with Catney's obviously is that it's more of like a holistic kind of like all of everyone should be yeah. you know included in this kind of tackling of period poverty which uh, it's pretty obvious it's not like a difficult thing to well, I guess some people will obviously say, like, you know, this isn't something that you should get for free, but, I mean, it seems like something that is relatively necessary just to go about your day if you're... Yeah, you know. and I think there's some interesting statistics for about, like, 50% of uh, young girls have said, like, they've missed school over not yeah. having sanitary products available right to them there and then, and, you know, we, we, we can't have kids missing school due to basic supplies that we should be able to, to give them. So of course, something that's just a part of life. Yeah, um, it's quite a left wing policy, I think. It is. Yeah. Um, and it's 
for the SDLP, I think it's it's a good it's a good thing for them to introduce. It gives them some clout and credentials. Uh, you know, trying to prove their their more left wing economic side, yeah, and I think it also rings true back to their founding days. You know, um, same sort of ideas and visions that they had all the way back then from the likes of setting up credit unions and yeah social social yes. social democratic kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff so I know it's um, it's a good thing to see being introduced how was it debated no only introduced no, it was today. introduced so already. for anybody that's confused yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's only been it's, 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 the bill has went for its oh, first step yeah. today introduced to the assembly it will then business office yeah. will then decide or business committee excuse me will then decide when we we'll go to the second stage where members will actually debate the merits of the bill to decide if it goes on to yeah. committee stage, and then so on and so, so, forth. so forth. Yeah, I forgot because it's been he's talked about it for so long now that. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a thing of his that he's talked about for just even on his socials and stuff. Like at least the last year, I think he's been pretty active. Yeah, so I mean, it's, he's been pushing it. It's not just like a fair weather thing for him. Clearly, yeah. I think it's something that he's, Pat Catney's actually very much. It's got some investment in. I don't know the actual story behind why he's so invested in it, but I mean, it's it's good policy. It's something that clearly it's going to, it's going to affect people here yeah. and make a positive contribution. And um, I'm going to take the cynical rule for once. Oh, that's um, you know, this could possibly be Pat Catney's last real impact in the assembly. Um, he's coming into yeah. a tight election. Lagan Valley is very unionist dominated. Yeah, um, with both uh, a strong. A strong brackets or in quotations UUP coming up, yeah. And the DEP obviously trying to arguably push for free seats there. It's um, with a strong alliance party in that part of the world too, and he only squeezed in on yeah. last time, so it'll be it'll be a tough tough election for him. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cadney's probably not going to be too happy next results day. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean. He might pull. He might pull through. He might. He might do something. Some some other parties might. Their balance might be. Over exaggerated, you never know. Yeah, but uh, th- we're just saying this could potentially be one of his last big impacts within yeah, the assembly. It really could be. Uh, but yeah, no, it's. I think I think both of us support it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll be quite clear in our <laughs> political attention there. We're both for this. Um, we hope it. We hope it gets through. Obviously. But yeah, is there is there any other business? Just oh school. god, I sound so professional there. Like I'm any other a, business? Like yeah. I'm in a meeting. Like any other business members would like to discuss? Yeah, any more thoughts? Mm. I mean, it depends on what kind of what kind of business do you want to talk about there's lots of business there's been an awful lot of business in the past two weeks the, I mean it just depends what kind of stuff you're, you're thinking we can talk about smoking oh yes about... oh, I should have said this earlier I was at the bloody conference where he announced it um, so Robin Swan has announced that it's going to be made illegal to or he's going to introduce a bill that it's yeah. going to be made illegal to smoke in cars with children yes that would be it yeah this is a weird debate because I my, my father was a smoker, right? right? And I I remember he was in the car, he used to smoke out the window. Yeah. And it never really bothered uh, me I as a child. Grand, yeah, my grandparent would have done that once or twice, yeah. And like even when like I was growing like when I was in my early twenties, late teens, and he was smoking in the car, he would always ask me if I was okay with it. And obviously I'm over eighteen, I can make an informed <laughs> decision. Yeah. But I was like, Yeah, work away. But then obviously the you still inhale like yeah it's still secondhand smoke and it does damage and especially to children it lingers yeah but um I, I plus it gives you a, it can give you a bit of a taste for it being around it oh yeah the smell of it all oh, Malcolm makes me think of my dad like so yeah plus if, it's 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 also just like addictive uh, <laughs> yeah I, I think it's something if you have like positive connotations of it to, yeah you know. But uh, I, just, I quit and still whenever I walk by people who are smoking and I get a sniff of it and they're like <laughs> still like a wee part of my brain still lights up oh yeah 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 definitely like, oh wow just from second half smoke oh uh, yeah sometimes just, it's sometimes if someone like blows it on my face or something or you know if I'm just walking in like a smoking area sometimes I go whiff and I'll just be like that's I could deal with the smoke right now hit the spot one. It, it never I don't know if it's ever gonna go away properly but oh, wow. like, yeah. you weren't you weren't a big smoker though were you I could do away a pack on a night out, to be honest. And yeah, that was wor- it was never I was drinking. I'd do a lot. And then I developed kind of smoking like a wee bit more regularly. Uh, partially because I had an office, jo- office job. Um, I still have an office job, but I don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, you kind of like, it, you, you start doing it on your lunch break. 
because uh, it like becomes like a wee bit of like an extension and then you you can start then you start doing it like you know maybe like whenever you're a quarter of the way through the day because then you get like five minutes outside yeah, yeah during that and then three quarters of the way through the day you can have another break yeah it helps break up the day it helps break out the day and then all of a sudden you're just detected basically you just like actually need it it becomes like you use it as like an excuse until then you actually start needing to do it to like even just get through like certain parts of the day which then you know quitting cold turkey was probably good for me that's what that's what furlough was good for because i was just like stopped doing it completely and yeah haven't been on it really since good for the most part you were learning about maths addictions and how are you stopping them it's just i don't i think there's a weird thing about smoking where people think it's just like oh you can just put it down it's fine. It's, it's really difficult to put it. yeah it's proper difficult like damn but yeah going going back to the this policy i i i, I think i'm largely supportive of it but i I can already see the battle lines being drawn out. Yeah. Um, I think we'll see the more right-wing elements of people saying, like, this is an attack on liberty, you should be able to do what you want. The fact that children are being specifically targeted within yeah. this, I think is quite smart, and I think it will help convince some of those. Um, but I, th- I think we'll see some backlash from this bill, really, uh, from certain members within within the Assembly. Yeah, I can um, imagine. But yeah, it, it, it should be coming before for the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, he, he introduced it on uh, Saturday uh, at the conference, and then on Monday the the department had uh, published uh, what was happening with it. Yeah, I mean it's I don't I don't want to say who who I think would go against it, but I mean it. I kind of I feel like if the UUP support it wholly, and then you'd imagine that Alliance would probably supported SDLP, Sinn Fein would probably support it. I'm not going to say anything else, but. Uh, I don't maybe the D I feel like the DP probably even would maybe support it like to be honest and then maybe there would just be a few stragglers who wouldn't support it yeah I think, think I think Paul Free would struggle because he's a libertarian like an outgoing oh, right. libertarian oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think what, most of the DP do you not think would be supportive of it especially if you put it in the context of protecting children yeah that's the thing I think if it was just you couldn't smoke in the car of yeah. or adults they would be like no you can't do that but with children I, I think that's what will turn a good yeah. few of them yeah, you know, saying this common sense policy is always a bit of a stupid thing because there's no such thing as there's common no sense. such thing as common sense, and also politics isn't really driven upon poli- common sense necessarily most yeah. of the time. <laughs> that's not that's not the that's not where politics isn't always the breeding ground of common sense, mm. to say the least. Unfortunately, well, sometimes fortunately. I don't know. I I actually hate this debate on what it like. Everybody says, "Well, there's no nobody has common sense anymore." It's because there's no such thing as common never sense. Never been any common sense. People have different senses of what is the right common, thing to do yeah. and what to do in that situation. And if you don't get me wrong, and I guess it's kind of one eighty is my argument. There are a few common sense moments you can have in life. Don't kill people. But yeah, it's pretty simple. Like that, yeah. But I sort of disagree with it. No, I I agree. I don't think there's any. I mean. It, it, it comes off a little bit condescending especially whenever someone's like it's so common sense and you're there like well I mean that's just because someone has a different opinion than you <laughs> what, do you, yeah. what do you want I, it's just got breaking news in folks apparently the EU are going to scrap most of uh, the checks uh, due to uh, that come apart of the protocol oh so there we go so I mean that could be the DEP when we were talking that's, about that's pretty big in terms of yeah that's pretty that's pretty huge. Like <laughs> that's pretty. That's actually kind of uh, right. Okay, that's difficult to figure out for one sec. No, it's actually kind of. It does. I actually did think whenever whenever I heard Frost come out, whenever I heard what Frost was saying, Lord Frost, I did think that so clearly something's happened here, that some some movement has been made. That's a pretty big movement. But that's though. a pretty that's a pretty massive movement. But then this is what I was saying like. This is annoying because last week I said something about this where I said like Boris Johnson just needs to be able to get this kind of stuff done. There you go. And it just happens. It, I don't understand it. Yeah. Clearly a better negotiator than we think it, you think he is. Oh yeah, definitely. The, the, like Lord Frost. Even I if think, it's not him, his team. Yeah. Oh, well, he picked the team. He picks the team. You know. So. Um, yeah, that that's pretty big news, and I think that will maybe throw it. That will give definitely some of the unionist parties ammunition against those who were. 100% saying it's never going to change yeah 100% protocol believers yeah. since the start um because they've just been able to renegotiate what they believe are problems of the EU have accepted yeah. our problems and what does this here, mean the EU oh I don't really know we'll need to look more into it obviously that's breaking we don't have yeah. enough time to, to delve into that but especially if it, I mean I, I've seen what 
right obviously maybe in the next couple of days it's going to become more apparent we're recording this on tuesday so it literally has to happen we're just hearing about it yeah but i mean you'd assume there's going to need to be some kind of balancing act in terms of but then well, this is what we said whenever whenever the original debate kind of came out we said like surely we can streamline the checks or we can figure out a way to make the checks more yep. appropriate we to did. make them easier and then if you do that then you can actually maintain a european single market while there is also then the kind of gb kind of flow with northern ireland which is the best of situation for us mm -hmm. so you would like to think that then this would just be like a strengthening of northern ireland's economic situation if our political parties are actually able to come out and actually make use of this yeah. news that this is not not make it just like let's just argue about this for let's actually see it for what it is which is northern ireland getting the best deal possibly yeah. Which is what we want. It's like an actual possession where we yeah, get. I think regardless of your political stance, having best of both market access is like the dream goal. Yeah, isn't it? Like, so, even if you're like proper, like one or, one or the other, surely you can see some benefit in the idea of having both. Yeah, definitely. At our disposal is... Yeah. I mean, technically we're both at their disposal as well. So, I mean... Mm. Were, we, were we just conduit? No. Oh, we're like a satellite state. We're like a satellite state for two different entities. I'll tell you what. Some nationalist was like, it's not a proper state. It's always been a satellite state for British imperialism. <laughs> Guarantee one or two listeners picked up on that. Fair enough. Yeah, fair, fair enough, actually. Yeah. You got the, what do you want? But yeah. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to make instantaneous commentary oh i've just found a new form of respect for those uh broadcasters who when they get breaking news can just like process it there and then to be fair most of them just say what actually happened but that's a bit that's a bit cynical though some of them do actually get proper commentary yeah. and analysis i feel like though whenever you're, you see most of those ones i feel like there probably is like some level of preparation they've had to like yeah, we don't have any media training, neither of us. Neither of us do. This is us getting media training. Yeah, we'll get that. This is why we need to do more interviews as well, probably. I know, we need to get a few more of. But yeah, look, do you have any other business you want to bring up after that bombshell? There's been a lot going on down south, I guess. There's been a lot uh, going on in America. There's been just a lot. Labour shortages, they've had, there's been, lot, there's been a lot of talk recently about labour shortages. and I guess we could talk about that just for a second. Um... I guess my only question being is how you feel, because obviously now we've just had the breaking news. And mm. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to cut out some of that stammering that we did. Like, oh, just yeah. to, like We're going to sound so much better when I cut all, out all the stammering. <laughs> uh, or maybe I won't, they'll just leave it in. We'll find out how difficult it is to remove. <laughs> <laughs> I think, because I've just been reading more and more about it. And I read, I, I got quite interested in part of it whenever the, the German election came, came about. And also with kind of stuff that's been happening in France over the past couple of just years even and kind of the, the sole blame has been put on Brexit for kind of and that's what the bill was about which came in recently and mm -hmm. Stormont was saying that it's purely Brexit that has caused these labour shortages and while I actually do I actually do agree with that to some degree in the sense that Brexit is the trigger I think the labour shortage which we're seeing is something that is like a wider concern across like not just Europe but you can see it in America you can see it in like a lot of other very developed countries yeah that it's actually we, while it has been triggered by Brexit this is something that a lot of places are now going to have to deal with due to how the market is right now and well the labor like force COVID has shifted like that. yeah the know? labor force has shifted how things are working now post COVID has completely changed the market uh, the how people are viewing employment right now seems to be changing in general even with things like you know great re resignation and people's kind of views on jobs and just in terms of things like social mobility and all that i mean it's I, I i just in terms of like that policy that came forward i was there like i don't understand what you're gaining by putting forward the idea that this is purely brexit um, no i and that, that's really just being actual adults here like while it is triggered by brexit and i do, <laughs> I do agree that it's tr triggered by brexit there's a greater problem here that needs to be addressed yeah, you see a lot of these, um, what is it, FBP types, the the real anti-Brexiteer people, yeah. just saying, oh, Brexit this, Brexit that. And yeah, don't get me wrong, as you pointed out, Brexit definitely had substantial impact. Yeah, it did. Yeah. But uh, obviously the past year of COVID, um, labour shortages, um, people just moving again and yeah. 
taking up new life endeavors. These is all, this is all caused labor shortages across the market. And as you said, we're still in the transitioning market it's period. It's actually something Germany was worrying about in terms of our election. Yeah. It was labor shortages. Yeah, and look at them. They, they, they take um, people in from all yeah. over Europe. And one of the most generous um, uh, immigrant... Uh, what do you call it? Immigrants are allowed in. Obviously, yeah. they took in loads from the Balkans during that time period. Turkey, very large migrant status there. Greeks... So it's 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 not like there's not enough people wanting to come to these countries, yeah. and obviously America is like the great state that is America. People always want to go there. Yeah. So they're having labor shortages. It just means that we're having a complete restructure of how some parts of our economy are operating, yeah. and some are playing catch up. Like I I know people. Also, it's, I sorry, I'll let you continue. I was just saying, I know people who worked in what society is deemed as shit jobs and not went back to them and yeah. found better things to do. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. We deem some jobs as shit. Yeah. Which we, we, we shouldn't. All jobs are equal. If you're contributing to society, you know, the, the, oh, this is a bit more of the lefty in me coming out. Yeah. But we should we should treat everybody as an equal, regardless sure. of what of their yeah. what their in what their job is within society. And this is the problem we've created amongst ourselves. We have said these jobs are less desirable, you should only work them at short periods of time. And then we don't have these drivers anymore. We don't have people who are working in retail and hospitality and now we're complaining about it so they're obviously not shit jobs yeah you know it, it really annoys me on a personal level like I mean, it does make me think that an issue that is just as pertinent than it well do you agree like the way we've talked about these jobs probably in the past hasn't been very good i mean you also have to look at it and just say like well what, what <laughs> at what stage does the market have to look at itself and say like we've done something wrong here like mm-hmm. have we have we created an unsustainable model like with with these jobs and are are these jobs actually are they right are they right are they doing everything that they need to do for the people who work on them are they are they worth are they attractive like have you made them attractive to any degree like where do these jobs go whenever you've made them whenever they've been built up to this stage what do you do now with these jobs whenever you have to whenever they become like well, it's not that they even come. They always have been like completely essential jobs to the economy. Like mm-hmm. things like hot, well, not always, but like for a long time now, and certainly you know for the lifetime of most people who most people who are alive right now in living memory, these jobs like hospitality, um, yeah. uh, I don't know what you call haulage or like transport. Yeah. You know these are jobs that like are pretty kind of fundamental to how our economy <laughs> functions. Okay. Like. Uh, and being having to now look at these jobs and think like how how do we actually make these these jobs <laughs> I don't want to just say attractive maybe attractive is the wrong word maybe at some point I can think of a better word for it but right now I'll just use a substitute word saying it making them attractive making them something that people actually want to be in yeah because you can't well, what's the alternative right now not have people do those jobs <laughs> no you can't yeah I mean have you also heard of this thing? I mean, this is just a completely off-topic thing. <laughs> but I mean, I, I almost feel like I enjoy the off-topic stuff just as much as the on-topic yeah, stuff. There's this thing, what is it called? There's this really dumb, it's not dumb, it's, they, people can have their opinion. But there's a thing now called I Don't Dream of Labor, I think it's called. It's like hashtag I Don't Dream of Labor or something like that. I've never heard of it, but I entirely agree. <laughs> it's people who don't want to work, basically, is... Not, not that they don't want to work, maybe is a wee bit harsh. They don't want to. They don't want to work traditionally. They kind of talk, talk about stuff like you know doing like YouTube and stuff like that in terms of like making a living. Isn't that just like the creative since like the nineteen fifties? Pretty much, yeah. That's why I was kind of annoyed at them because I'm there like I don't think you're doing anything new here. No, like, that's like every musician ever. It's like Bohemian, effectively. Yeah, that's it's, that is literally just what the Bohemians were actually, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think that's a new concept. No, idea. no. I do find it annoying now because it is like, well, I guess before when I had the Bohemians, I guess, were kind of the same. It does feel, it's, it's got a very like white middle class feeling to it. Of course. Well, of course <laughs> it's like all these people who, it's like all these bloody YouTubers and TikTokers who buy these vans, right? right and be like, oh, how to like travel around the country in your cheap van. Like, yeah. Dude, you're buying like a 2019 Ford Transit and getting your dad to do it up for you, like calm yourself, like. This isn't attainable for most people to do. No, it's not. I'm so mad at it because I know I've looked at too many van life videos because I yeah. want to do it myself, but I don't have like 
30 grand to spend on a new Ford Transit. You know? I think more power to you if you can do it though. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I'm jealous of you. Like apparently. I mean you should be like if you're doing it like fair days. Yeah. Like I don't good good for you, like I'm not gonna like be annoyed that you were able to do it. Well I I will be jealous, but I'm not gonna be like I'm just jealous all the time. Yeah. I'm, I have an awful trait of that. Jealousy. I don't know well, I'm not too jealous in real in a real way. I've got other bad <laughs> personality traits. Outside of jealousy, no, uh, the, the I don't drive with labour. I think that's existed for. It's just a fancy. It's just a new way of saying it. Like yeah, it's the like you would have called them dreamers now, back yeah. in the day. Like dreamers, yeah. It's just yeah. I don't know. I don't buy it. I'm into it, but I don't buy it. I I think the annoying thing about it is whenever I look at it, I'm there like I just don't see any like. I I don't see like a, an actual ideology to it outside of. You know, like I don't. I, I don't like traditional work, which I think is a fine thing to say. Like, I don't think you have to like traditional work. I just more so think I don't like see like where the, the actual like proper ideology comes out of it for most of the people who talk about it. You know what I mean? I don't see like a yeah. thought through kind of thought process of the, why you're putting the, why you're putting this out to other people and promoting it as like something that everyone should be doing. Yeah. Well, we could look into it. Yeah. I don't really know a lot about it. I, but still again, like if you're doing it, we're part of you. Like, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Is that everything? Why not? Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another party and uh, whatever news throws at us. And you'll probably be hearing more about Brexit because that's just breaking right now and we need more time to digest yeah. that. But you'll hear our thoughts and views on it next week. Bye. So yeah, take care.